As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Stars Matter on the Until Saturday feed. I'm Manny Navarro, Miami beat writer and host of the Wide Ride podcast for The Athletic. As you can tell, Mitch Light, who normally hosts the show, is out again. He's in New York City for a few days for some editorial meetings with The Athletic. The good news, we have the best Mitch on the staff here at The Athletic to replace him. Our mm-hmm. Nebraska beat writer, Mitch Sherman, who's here to talk to us about Dylan Rayola, the number two ranked QB in the 2024 class, and how he's probably going to end up a Cornhusker when he signs a national letter of intent next week. How are you doing, Mitch? What's going on, guys? I'm well. I'm well. Thanks for the intro and the and the uh, the compliment. I don't know if I can take that title from Mitch, though. <laughs> <laughs> aside from bringing aside from bringing a five star Mitch on the show, we've got our usual suspects on the pod: the amazing Ari Washerman, the incredible Grace Rayner, two people who are a lot smarter than me, and they're going to ask much better questions when we start talking to Mitch now. So, Ari, we're a week from National Signing Day. I feel like you probably have to go back and write that uh, Dylan Rayola column again, mm-hmm. the one that you. I did. Uh, did. Yeah, you already finished it, right? <laughs> I, no, I rewrote it. It's going to run whenever that happens. Um, but yeah, thank you for the the adjectives there. Like that, like the amazing Ari Wasserman, the incredible Grace Rayner. I know, the right? Incredibly handsome Mitch Sherman. Yes. Like it's so much better than when Mitch just bags on me right when we start. So it feels good. No, I, I miss Mitch Light. I hope he's having a good time with his gluten-free pizza in New York. But certainly a, a huge... Huge, huge development in the recruiting landscape here. The number one, former number one overall player, number six nationally now in the 247 sport composite quarterback. Uh, seems like a flip to Nebraska is imminent. What is your understanding of the situation, Mitch? Yeah, I have to ask first, Ari, is, are, are the 800 words, is that what you lost? Did you lose the, the Dylan Rayola content? No, I, I lost uh, 800 words of Colorado content, which is just gold, but I have it up here still. Uh, I was about to say, you guys don't, don't get, five minutes. Don't get uh, too uh, trigger happy with the control, uh, the control V cut and paste button, because if you do that, it can it can hurt you or just be an adult and type into Google Docs like everybody else with an auto save feature. But, um, you know, we have the, moved on from losing content off of our screens a few years ago with the advent of Google Docs. But I'm glad to see yeah. you. Your whole yeah, out. well, I appreciate the concern. I am like devastated inside because I could have been like watching Fargo or something. But it's really terrible. Um, man. Yeah, but it, the good news is is that if it were the Rayola situation, I'd be able to rewrite that in like thirteen seconds. I've got so many thoughts. Um, but what is your or it might what change is your and you have a new story? 
Well, it's the same story. It's just repurposed. That's right. my entire career. Don't tell anybody. But uh, <laughs> it, it seems like a pretty big situation here, huh? Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely is. A, a lot of moving pieces, and and you know, one way to track from behind the curtain what's going on is to watch the um, the movements of the quarterback who is actually committed to Nebraska at this moment, and that's Daniel Kalen. Out of mm-hmm. out of Bellevue, Nebraska West High School, and Ari, we texted a little bit about about Daniel yesterday, and I know that you've written about him, and I've certainly written about him and followed his high school career since he was offered after his freshman freshman season. Much the same timeline as Dylan Rayola, Kalen just didn't shoot up quite as high or nearly anywhere near as high in the rankings. Uh, he was an Elite Eleven finalist though, and he committed to Nebraska, flipped from Missouri in the days after Rayola committed to Georgia in in may and now he is seemingly back on the market his his camp has been has been unusually quiet this week i've talked some to his high school coach and and i've reached out to danny tried to give him a little bit of space i know he's he's disappointed and and not um it's tough when you've spent six months helping build up a class at your home state school and then you find out a week before signing day that oh the player that the coaches there have coveted at the, 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 the very highest level from the beginning of this process is all of a sudden back in the mix. So Kalen reportedly is taking a visit this week to Michigan State, which brings you brings me back to your question that things are moving very fast with Dylan Rayola and and likely are already at the place where Nebraska is expecting him to flip, expecting to get a commitment if it's not already received word that something is in the works with uh, the quarterback from Buford, Georgia, who is set to be in Lincoln on the weekend here, the final weekend before signing day. What do you think changed, Mitch? Like, why now? Yeah, that's I, a good question, I mean, Grace. Good job. Thank you, Ari. <laughs> I do. That's I really would love to know the answer to this. Yeah, if I knew the answer to that, I probably would be like furiously typing away. <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, no, no offense to you guys, but I, I would be getting a story up on our site as, as fast as I could with all the details about what exactly happened. But you know, looking looking at it um, from uh, from this place and being able to piece together what we know about about Dylan and college football recruiting and Nebraska and Georgia and and all of these pieces, you know, it's clear that. The things that exist in college football recruiting today that weren't there three or four years ago, like the above the board um, uh, monetary uh, features of this this part of the sport, are, are are important in this discussion. And most of the players that Nebraska has been involved with in recruiting in this twenty four class, you know, are of the three star and four star nature. And there are a couple of top one hundred players in there who are going to command some NIL resources from Nebraska's collective, but it's not on the level of 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 Dylan Rayola. It's not a five star kind of guy. So when you start when you know, as you guys know, when when these players start to get involved in the discussions, um, you're silly if you don't think about the ramifications that NIL has in this. And Nebraska's collective is is certainly playing a role. And I think Whatever was going on with the Rayolas and and Georgia and NIL, it's a factor in this. I'm not going to say it's the main factor or the only factor. I can't imagine that whatever um, what, whatever kind of opportunities are coming Dylan's way at Nebraska, that they're all that much different or better than Georgia. We're talking about Georgia here, so um, you know it, it can't be ignored. 
Um, but I think also you, you just have to look at the ebbs and flows of the entire recruiting process for Dylan Rayola. And while just about any other prospect in the country, if they had moved from Arizona to Georgia to be near the school that they that that, that he planned to uh, enroll at in in here in January of 2024, you would have figured, okay, this thing is as rock solid as as any commitment that exists out there. But uh, the Rayolas, you know, his father is a former NFL, 14 year NFL player. Um, they have a different level of resources themselves than what your normal recruit is going to have. And they've moved around a lot. They've moved from Texas to Arizona to Georgia. So who's who's to just assume that they were that they were done moving? He was committed to Ohio State. He's been committed to Georgia now for the past seven months. So very mobile, I think, is a, is a way to describe this family. In that sense, it's not entirely a shock that there's something happening at the 11th hour here. Mitch, I, I want to ask you another question regarding Nebraska's class and, and maybe what this means long term, right? Like who, who they might be able to flip maybe down the road, you know, that they've also sort of recruited throughout the process with this class. But uh, aside from that, I wanted our listeners to kind of get a little bit of background, too, because obviously you mentioned his father playing at Nebraska. But I don't think, you know, for the people who haven't been paying attention to the story, he's also got an uncle on the staff there, right? Yeah, his uncle, um, his father's Dominic Rayola, who was an All-American center at Nebraska twenty. 20- four years ago, 2000, then went and played for the Detroit Lions, as I said, for 14 years. And um, Dominic's brother, Donovan Rayola, played at Wisconsin, um, coached with the Chicago Bears, and he was hired to coach at Nebraska, the offensive line, in 2022, the final year for Scott Frost. And then uh, Donovan was the only coach retained from Frost staff by Matt Rule when Matt Rule took over at Nebraska a year ago and did a good job, um, did an excellent job with the Nebraska offensive line, one of the most improved position groups on the Nebraska team, despite the uh, the poor performance in the Nebraska offense, the defense carried that that the team um, as far as as it got, which was five wins and a bunch of close losses um, and a lot of disappointment not to be in a bowl game again this year. But um, there was growth, and there was a lot of growth on the offensive line, and and Donovan Raiola was a big part of the reason. So of course, you know he was in, he has been instrumental in the relationship that's existed from the very beginning of Matt Rule's time at Nebraska with the Rayola family. He's part of the Rayola family. If, if, um, if Dominic, Dylan's father, wants to find out what's going on at Nebraska about anything, he can be on the phone in 10 seconds with, you know, inside the coaching offices. offices. And that's a, a unique um, dynamic that exists between the Rayolas and Nebraska. Their history, you know, it goes back, it goes way back. It goes back to the time that, that, uh, that Dominic was recruited from Hawaii in 1997, and you know he has he's been somebody who even through his NFL time has stayed connected with the Nebraska program. His name is hanging is is etched into the stone of Memorial Stadium. D- Dylan is very familiar with the Nebraska program. Even visited he visited the Nebraska he visited the campus during a dead period last last February, which that doesn't happen, but. Uh, they came. They weren't able to even go inside the football facility, but he can come and, and visit his uncle. Um, nothing against uh, against the, the rules <laughs> what a there. I love that. <laughs> right, and and Donovan, his uncle, can go visit Dylan during non-contact periods. Um, you know, when he lived in Arizona and Nebraska was actively recruiting them. So, I, you know, I'm not saying that 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 uh, I, I don't want people to think that Donovan Rilla is on the staff because of his connection to Dylan. He's not, he's an, he's a more than adequate coach. And, 
uh, in fact, received an extension and a raise before this situation unfolded where Dylan came back into the mix with Nebraska. But you're, you're naive to think that um, his presence, that Donovan Rayola's presence, presence in Lincoln on the staff hasn't been a factor in Nebraska's favor to keep that relationship um, alive during all the time that Dylan has been committed to other schools and looking, looking at other schools. You know, I was thinking about this. I think Nebraska has a lot to offer any head coach during a coaching search in terms of, you know, administrative buy-in, fan support, history, stadium, all that stuff. I think the only thing that you would probably like to improve is the thing that you can't improve, which is geographical location in comparison to where the recruits live. But like for Matt Rule, who built up two programs um, at the college level before his brief stint in the NFL, like it seemed like the perfect fit. But the thing that always stood out to me more than anything is, is that when a head coach takes a job somewhere, um, they don't usually have an inside track to the number one overall player in the country uh, who also plays quarterback and is a family member of a staff member. Um, so when he didn't choose Nebraska and he initially committed to Georgia in May, I thought, man, that is a huge, huge blow because, you know, imagine starting off a new coaching regime with the momentum that you would have had by also signing the first five-star player, which is kind of hard to believe since 2005, who also is a quarterback who's 6'3", 220 or whatever, and is a, is a load of a player. Um, so now after that disappointment, I thought that Matt Rule did a very good job with the competency of, of the Kalen situation, which I want to revisit. But first, if he's able to sign Dylan, who hasn't publicly flipped yet, um, but if that were to happen next week, can we just talk about like the momentum of the program and just like where that puts Nebraska in terms of attracting other talent, um, you know, proof of concept to other programs that are in Nebraska's shoes that they don't just have to end up at Georgia. It doesn't have to be the rich getting richer. Like, I feel like this is a very significant recruiting crossroads, not just for the, you know, one quarterback going somewhere, but for the Nebraska program and also like what that means for, um, you know, teams like Nebraska who might just assume they're going to lose out to Georgia or Alabama or one of those teams. Right. I, I think you have to look at the big picture and that the play, the playoff is expanding next year to 12 teams. And that by itself opens up opportunities for all kinds of programs that aren't named Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, um, or Texas, or, you know, the, you guys know the list. And, you know, while Nebraska is not in that category at this point, that is competitive for even a 12 team college football playoff, it's feasible to think that, um, you know, with the momentum that it could gain from, Dylan Rayola, and we're not even talking about Kyle McCord here, who was another five-star prospect uh-huh. out of high school and is was in was in Lincoln this week on an, on a visit as a, as a transfer portal prospect, and you know is is a is a Nebraska lean, I would say, at this point himself to come in and play one year with Dylan as his understudy. So you could go from one former five-star prospect in Kyle McCord, the Ohio State transfer, to another five-star prospect in Dylan Raiola at the quarterback position who would take over then in, in 2025. And that, that is monumental for the growth of the program and in the, in the direction that, that Matt rule wants to take it. Not just, just the in, momentum, yeah, the not momentum, just, like the not swell just of, you, right. Not just in what you want to do on the field and in, in completing passes and throwing touchdowns and not being the team that threw fewer passes in 2023 than every FBS program with the exception of Army, Navy, and Air Force. That was Nebraska's situation. That this is last insane year. to hear out loud. Right. To 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 then one 
that has. I didn't know that's that. That's that's banana land. That is right. absolutely bonkers. <laughs> Thirty-one turnovers in addition Jeez. to throwing no passes, twenty-one passes a game. That's how bad the quarterback. And 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 I don't want to come down too hard on Heinrich Harburg, who won five of of six starts at one point in this season, but he isn't the future for Nebraska. He's not the the picture of the offense that Matt Rule in any way wants to run. And Kyle McCord and and Dylan Royola long-term certainly would fit into that category, and they would help entice players to come in who could help Nebraska run that kind of offense. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. You've covered this program for as long as anyone. Just where would this stack up in terms of all-time Nebraska recruiting wins? Well, because of the nature of the way that this one has played out, and, and Dylan was offered after his freshman year before he took a varsity snap when he was at, in Burleson, Texas, and then the the ups and downs. Um, you know, it looked it looked optimistic for Nebraska, and then Scott Frost went through this death spiral um, over the last year or two of of his regime with Rayola. Um, you know, there to see the whole thing from the ground level. And then there was hope again when he decommitted from Ohio State right around the time that Matt Rule took over. In fact, last last year at this time, all the way up through maybe late February, early March, um, it looked like Rayola was going to skip right over this Georgia part and just go ahead and commit to Nebraska. And then the spring happened and he got more and more um, embedded with Georgia. And of course, then they moved to Georgia and it's it's seemingly over. Um, because of all that grace and all of the drama that has existed, and, and of course his ranking and who he is and his last yeah. name, it's 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 the top. Um, you know, you have number to go one. Back. Yeah, number the, the number one most compelling recruiting story that has happened for Nebraska, and, and certainly you look at Nebraska and its history, and it's, it's it has signed great players. I mean, a school that won five national championships is going to have had many, many great players, you know, guys who, who were, were first round NFL draft picks. And, but we're talking about a, a completely different era of the sport where recruiting didn't always take or, or, or never took the stage in the way that it does now, even in, in 2005, when Nebraska signed what was considered a top five recruiting class in the country. Um, and there were some, some five-star and borderline five-star players in that group. That's the class that produced Indomitian Sioux. We had known when Indomitian Sioux was going to be. Um, you know, I think he would have been a bigger recruiting win than, than even what you're looking at with Rayola here. But, um, you know, he was, he was a great player, but we didn't, people didn't know what he would become. This one's, this one's bigger. Um, they've never had a quarterback like this who, uh, who has, has come on board into the program, um, you know, as, as, as ready to, to be a star in college football is what Dylan Rayola looks, looks to be. 
Mitch, uh, I got one last question for you. I, I'm looking at the rankings right now. I guess this Nebraska class is 22nd, uh, 25 commits. I'm sure it'll probably jump into the teens once it once you get the the five star points there for Rayola. Uh, once he flips, uh, assuming he flips. But I'm curious. I mean, this has to obviously create a lot of buzz for for the recruits that Nebraska's been chasing that maybe weren't going to come to the program. Are there any other targets, even in the the 24, 25 class, that you think? because of Rayola potentially flipping could become, you know, other flips for the Cornhuskers. Yeah. I mean, Nebraska's pretty much done with this 24 class. I think that, that there are going to be a couple of names over the last week and, and, you know, we'll see, uh, you know, maybe adding a receiver, you know, there's some connections in South Florida that Phil Simpson has that, that, that maybe a flip or, you know, an undecided player, but nothing on the, nothing on like the, the, the five-star caliber um they are talking in addition to um i mentioned kyle mccord from ohio state talking also to julian fleming from ohio state and you know he's a former five star and you know somebody who's been with the buckeyes for the past three years and and would upgrade nebraska's receiver um receiver group immediately and provide experience that um that McCord and, or, or, you know, Rayola, uh, Rayola would probably wouldn't be, wouldn't be throwing to Fleming as his number one target because he has one year left like McCord. But, um, you know, I think it's more down the road. Um, Nebraska, like a lot of schools right now at the end of the 2023 calendar year is in a pretty significant scholarship crunch. Um, you add in the recruits who were committed, uh, without Rayola to the returning players and they're, around a hundred on the, on the scholarship list. So yeah, players are going to have to go into the portal. There's going to have to be some attrition between now and in August when it's got to be at 85. So they don't have room to go out and, and catch, you know, seven or eight prospects on the coattails of a Dylan Rayola commitment. And it's happened so late in the process that it's going to be somewhat minimal with the, with the immediate impact. But I think in, in, you know, in the 25 class, Absolutely, this will be something that uh, that makes a big difference, and 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 there are going to be some ramifications. Uh, probably a player or two uh, from the twenty four group that are, that are still added, and, and maybe uh, maybe some help also through the portal. Mitch, my last one, and then we'll let you carry on living your life. But I, <laughs> we wrote about both of us wrote about Daniel Kalen um, before. I mean, months. I mean, it might have even been a year ago now when he committed to Mizzou. The notion was that he committed to Mizzou because that was the place that truly wanted him. And that was something that mattered to him. Yeah. And then when Nebraska, you know, had a change and um, I believe it was staff, they, you know, recruited him, but they didn't recruit him in a way that they weren't honest about where things stood with Dylan. I think sure. that they always knew that if Dylan were to become available, that they would want them. And, you know, with all the different commitments flying around, um, that was a tough decision. So then when um, Dylan removed himself from the picture again and committed in May, that gave Kalen a green light to flip from Mizzou back to Nebraska because that was the spot. And now, again, late in the process, one week before, as you alluded to, uh, Rayola is back in the picture. And now Kalen, who's been recruiting for this Nebraska class, um, might be the odd man out here. But can I ask this straight up? Like, is your Would they take him? Yeah. If he wanted to still go. Yeah. His, his scholarship is good. He can, he can still come. It's just a matter with him of again. And I think it's a great point you brought up about the reason that he committed to Missouri in the first place last spring. Um, he had a Nebraska offer from back in, mm -hmm. in, in, 
in 2021, um, it's it, it's because that's the place where he felt like he was wanted. And the question that he has to ask himself is whether he feels how he feels about Nebraska now, if in fact Nebraska is is about to sign or does sign Dylan Rayola next week. And you know, it's 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 not as easy of a question to answer because now he's been embedded with Nebraska for so long for these last six or seven months. And Daniel Kalen is a big part of the reason that Nebraska gathered some 20 commitments in the month of June. That was momentum that he started in May when he committed. Two of his high school receivers are in this recruiting class. One of his best friends in this recruiting class is Carter Nelson, the tight end from little Ainsworth, Nebraska, who played eight-man football and was a target of Notre Dame and Georgia um, and Alabama um, early in this process, a, a, a top 100 player. His recruiting experience, Nelson's recruiting experience, was largely impacted by Daniel Kalen. So that gets pretty complex. And, you know, Matt Rule did an excellent job of threading the needle through the early part of 2023 to maintain and keep that relationship in a good spot with Kalen, which was hard to do when they were hard after Dylan Rayola and he played the same position. And at that point, they weren't going to take both guys. It's maybe even more difficult now for Rule to handle this um, in a um, in a perfect way with Kalen because you're so close to signing day and this Rayola thing is coming back out of nowhere when you've already laid so much groundwork with Daniel Kalen. So this is one of the more interesting subplots in the in the entire thing and one of the more interesting storylines to watch next week. Um, I, I think nationally. I mean, Daniel Kalen is 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 a somebody in recruiting. He was an Elite Eleven finalist mm-hmm. and is a good quarterback in his own right. But he's not the number two quarterback in the country. And these two guys have been on the field together. You know, Danny knows what Dylan is. He's, he he encountered him um, back in Lincoln at a camp in 2021 when the Nebraska coaches were enamored with Rayola and, and, and Kalen standing over on the side of the field kind of by himself. So he's always been, at least for the last two and a half years, he's been in the shadow of Rayola and it's, it's a tough, a tough situation for this home, this home state player to have to deal with now in the days before signing day. If, if, if nothing else, he's getting a, 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 um, a crash course and has been for a couple of years, but now it's, it's, it's really in front of him of what, (laughs) what, life is like and how this, you know, it's not, it's not fair. What's, what's being put in front of him. Um, But this is big business and college football is more big business now than it ever has been because of NIL. And um, you know, in the end, he's probably Kalen is going to be better for this, but it's tough for, it's tough what he has to go through right now. Yeah. I feel bad for him, but also the one thing, the one thing that um, has to be said and um. I don't know if this is going to ever have any impact on Dylan Rayola's career um, because he's a very talented player. I've seen him in person. He's big, strong, has a live arm. Um, There's a lot of discussion of he's been to two or three high schools now and has had two or three commitments. This is a person who has really shown, and I don't know if it's him, his whole family or whatever, um, a willingness to change his mind and do it on a whim and make very drastic moves in his life, whether it be where he lives, what high school he attends, or what college he's committed to. Um, I think I, if I were Daniel Kalen, I still might go to Nebraska and see how things play out. But, um, you know, and if I were Nebraska, I would take the kid that that helped you put your class together and let them compete. 
And, you know, maybe Dylan Rayola wins and becomes the number one overall pick in the draft. That's what, you know, players ranked the where he is are expected to do. But it's just a it's a weird dynamic when a person who has changed their mind so frequently uh, has an impact on somebody else. And that's just kind of the way that recruiting yeah. works. I'll do, I'll finish with this is, is to kind of respond to that. And, and, and you guys know, and if you followed Matt rule, you understand the way that he's built programs in college at temple and at Baylor and what he's been doing at Nebraska in this first year is to build around this whole one of us mentality. They all wear shirts that say OOU and have hats and, and that's their, their hashtag on, on social media. And that kind of a mentality is it works. It works pretty well when you're not dealing with five-star egos and big money and um, the things that come with uh, massive recruiting wins. It's a little more difficult when you start to get into this world that they want to get into with highly talented players. Sometimes, and I'm not saying this is the case with Dylan Raiola, but sometimes you will find that those players are more out for themselves than they are out for the team. And, and, I, and I don't believe that to be the case with Raiola. I've, I've sat down with him and have, have, have talked at length with him, and I think he is a team guy. Otherwise, why would he be coming to a school that's coming off of a five and seven season? But when you get Raiola or you get McCord, or you get Julian Fleming, you start to wade into some different waters. And that was difficult for Matt Rule when he was in the NFL. That's where you're dealing with, with, um, with big-time talent and big-time players on an everyday basis. So it'll be interesting to see how he walks that line um, in bringing Nebraska along to a place that really Rule hasn't ever uh, dealt, had to deal with much in, in his years as a college coach. Mitch, thanks for coming on and joining us, man. I know you got to get back to work and uh, and write more stories about Dylan Rayola. So we appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks so much, Mitch. This was awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having and me. Congrats on. to your sub goal. Yep. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Say hey to Grant Briggs for me. Our thanks to Mitch Sherman for joining us to talk about Dylan Rayola. Uh, before we go any further with today's show, I'm reminding you to make sure to follow the podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. Drop us a five star review. Leave us a question. Uh, we will answer it on the show. You can also subscribe to Until Saturday on YouTube. Tune in to see Ari, David Oven, Nicole Auerbach, Max Olson, Sam Kahn, and Chris Vanini, our entire five squad, uh, our entire five squad, squad, our entire squad of five-star reporters. Love to hear from you, our listeners. Are we still doing voicemails in the offseason? We are. Yeah. I love voicemails. I can't get enough of voicemails. I, I just inject them into my veins. We had one <laughs> voicemail that was like, and I just want to tell Grace. I love her work and she helped me fight homesickness um, while I was living overseas and I was reading about Clemson and I was like, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> that's, that's the noise nice. I made. I meant, oh, oh, <laughs> make sure it's crazy voice, to though. think like in a world, Manny, where like most yeah. of my interactions online are people like attacking me personally uh, right. to actually hear that somebody on our staff has a positive impact on someone's life. Uh, it's good to hear every now and then because the positive notes don't really come my way that often. You ever know that you crack people nice. up, Ari? Every time I, I meet so. people, I hope people, I people, people are laugh. like in the wild. They're like, what's Ari like? I'm like, he's yeah. exactly what you think he's like. I get a lot of the same <laughs> questions. P- people love you, Ari. I think I think all it's right, just the good. haters that, that go out there and, uh, and attack you, but. Uh, all right. I just want to tell our listeners, make sure to uh, leave a voice or text on the Until Saturday phone at 316-462-9852. Sign up for our Until Saturday newsletter. Jaina Bardal can fill your inbox with everything you need every single week. All right. We're going to discuss some of the other big storylines heading into National signing, signing Day later in the show, including uh, the Florida Gators and DJ Lagway. 
Um, but first, uh, let's talk a little bit about what happened last week that we didn't talk about on this show. I know you did on the podcast feed, Ari, but we didn't talk about it here. Um, Jordan Seaton ended up picking Colorado, and we're going to get into headlines and commits and flips and all that kind of stuff. But um, I guess just a quick take from you on that victory for Dion for our Stars Matter listeners. That's the 800 words I lost. Uh, <laughs> that's what I was Sorry. writing about. So I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, is that like my Dion takes, it's just so complex because like, I think it like the way that you view him, Manny is so right. Like he is a lightning rod. He is famous. He's got a very nice smile. He can convince people to do things. And he has 10 commitments in his 2024 class. And three of them are top 100 players. So in that sense, Colorado has done a tremendous job in high school recruiting ranks with the players that they've gotten in terms of their average player ranking, which I believe is over 91. And the fact that 30% of them are top 100 players at a place that never signed top 100 players is tremendous. So that's the positive side of it. On the negative side, I almost feel like, why aren't you trying harder? And like, what could you do if you actually 100% bought in? And it was funny because there was a picture of Nick Saban uh, with five-star quarterback Julian Sayon in the San Diego living room of this quarterback commit that's been committed for a year now. And it's like, have you seen us? And I've said this on the podcast before. Have you seen a picture of Dion in, a, in an in-home visit anywhere? Have mm-hmm. you seen a picture of Dion in a high school hallway or an event that I've seen him on Thursday Night Football? I've seen him <laughs> on 60 Minutes. He might have been on the Oprah Winfrey show. I don't know. Like He does all these like celebrity things. But I feel like he's not doing the college football things and college football coaching things. And maybe that's a harsh criticism, but I also feel like it's more so because I see the potential in what it could be if he really got maniacal about it. If he really right. went nuts and called kids and um, went to their place of, of where they live or where they go to school or where they train and did all the things that every other head coach in, in that position is doing. And I, I get that maybe you might be able to say, well, his health isn't up to, you know, it could be holding him back or he views that his ability as a celebrity draws people into wanting to meet him in person, which then brings them to Boulder, which is their number one concern. Like all those things are true, but like you're not going to portal your way to a national championship and the way that you're doing it right now. And again, they got five offensive linemen, including Seton last week. And it seems like they've, they've certainly upgraded their offensive line from the group that they've had a year ago, but you don't build a long sustainable college football program that's built to last by flipping your roster every year. Um, And it feels like the way that he's trying to do this is to get to 10 wins as quickly as possible before the house of cards falls and then bolt to somewhere else, or he's just not long for being a coach. Could you imagine if he was a maniacal high school recruiting coach that was on the road when he could be and calling and like, he's a great recruiter, but I don't know if he's a great recruiter. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I see your point. I, and I, but I think part of this too is just because of the situation he's in at Colorado, where their roster's been so bad for so long that if you just if he, if he went out and he signed thirty high school kids, Ari, I don't know that he ever gets to the point where they win more than four games. I think he had to he he had to go portal heavy at least the first year. Now the second year, I, I'm 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 like you. I'm questioning a little bit more. I don't know why. He, he hasn't done a better job with high school recruits. Uh, maybe it's because of what you suspect, which is maybe he's out of there uh, in a year or two and, and and just not that heavily invested. But I think he can be an excellent high school recruiter. I just think the situation in Colorado has sort of compromised him. Yeah, it's, it's not so much the size of the class. It's the quality of the class. 
It's mm-hmm. like the top third of it is a testament of what could be accomplished there. And the bottom seven, you know, there's some good players in there, but like, it's not, if you're going to sign 12 players because you're portal heavy, then go out and kill it and sign 12 elite level players. And that's not what they did. And like, really truthfully speaking, like as a people who cover recruiting grace, you know, you're in there with the top fives all the time. And, and Deion Sanders is sometimes in top fives of top 100 players, but like how often does it actually feel like he is scratching tooth and nail in the most, you know, the most highly contested, interesting recruitments. It doesn't even seem like Colorado's a factor in most of them. And I think they could be, what do you think, Grace? His whole philosophy confuses me, but I also think there has to be a reason behind it, right? Like there's no way that this is just how the cards have fallen. Like, I think he has some sort of plan. I just don't know what it is. Like, does that make sense? Like, I don't know what it is either. Like, when, <laughs> like last year, like remind me when, when they flipped Cormani McLean, did any of us see that coming or did that just come out of nowhere? Like what happened with that? I mean, we knew Cormani was probably going to flip because he didn't sign with Miami. Well, going into signing day, Manny, we didn't know he wasn't going to sign. I thought that was a bombshell. The day that that the first day of the early signing period, it got to like four. This is how I remember it. You you cover it, so you tell me yeah. if I'm wrong. But I remember oh, it sorry, being I in Florida. I meant four Miami. o'clock happened, um, and it was like, "Where's Cormani's signature?" And nobody knew. Right. And then that's when everybody kind of started to feel like, okay, something could happen here. But it wasn't like three weeks in advance where like he's out of the class. It was a like very late and sudden departure. Right. Well, it, it, he did take a visit to Colorado sort of late in the process. And and so all of us sort of were like and – and then Miami coaches went to go see him in Lakeland and he kind of – he wasn't there because he was off to Colorado. So there were signs certainly that something was amiss. And then when he didn't sign, it sort of confirmed, which is kind of Dion's thing, right? Like Jordan Seaton yeah. went and visited him, right, on the, on the DL kind of, right? And it wasn't very publicized and it was kind of like, well, he's not even a finalist. So I don't know. I That's think this my is thing is like, I think Dion is like playing checkers while we're all playing chess. Like I, I, or maybe he's playing chess while we're playing checkers. Like, I just think he's got something going on that we don't, we don't know what it is. And I don't There's, know if it's going to work, but yeah, like Seton didn't even have him. At, like you said, Manny, he wasn't even in their top six. And I'm like, I think that was intentional, right? Like, you know, yeah. they were behind the scenes probably like, okay, this will be fun. Like, let's, uh, let's play this game. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Grace. I think that there is a certain like part of me that wants to be like, okay, give him the benefit of the doubt. He's cooking. You're not in the kitchen, right? Like, let him do it. And he already got off to an incredible start last year, and then it got, the bottom kind of fell off. But like, guys, we don't live in Boulder. We're not inside the house that he likes to describe. But we are professional college football analysts that spend every waking moment of our professional lives thinking about college football and how to build rosters and all these things. And it's like, you know what good roster building looks like. You know what yeah. sustainability looks like, and it does not look like that there. So if they go out and they win 12 games next year, which I don't think is going to happen, um, you could say, well, did you believe? Did you believe and do all the things that he always does? But it's like, this is my number one problem with a- analysis and college football in general. It's like, what do you think our predictions and our thoughts are predicated off of. It's the information that is available to us at the time. If somebody goes out and does something incredible or outstanding or unique, it's the same thing with the Michigan thing. People give me crap over. I was said for two years that Michigan isn't recruiting at a high enough level to win a national title and hell, they might go do it right now. 
But two years ago when I made that prediction, what is it about that program or three years ago that I should have seen on the writing on the wall of saying, hey, they're going to win a national title there in three years. Nothing. They did something spectacular. My analysis yeah. wasn't wrong. The result was wrong. So my analysis of the situation right now is he's trying to flip the roster as quickly as possible in order to try to get as many wins as he can while his son is on the team. And then we'll either, if it works, bolt to a bigger and better job that Manny, you thought he might've been in contention for already or to retire from this whole thing. It doesn't seem like he is building, like the Seton thing is perfect. This is the perfect l- recruitment to, to view it through. Cause it's like such a odd. I don't know why I said odd like that. It's such an odd <laughs> thing. Cause it's like, if you're a five-star <laughs> offensive lineman, the last place on earth I'd want to go play is Colorado because they don't have any, history of developing offensive linemen, their new position coach is a first time offensive line coach. And you could go to any of the other places that do it all the time and just go. But like, so you're going to sign a a freshman five-star offensive tackle who might not be great till year three, because it takes a long time for offensive tackles to develop. But the entire other way that you're building a roster is now, now, now it's like, what is seat? where, Where does Seaton fit into the plan? He doesn't even fit. It's just, it's just a bizarre there's a lot of information out there swirling and it's like really hard for me to like look at it and put piece together anything other than let's try to get this as fast as we can and see where we are when that happens. And that's not always the best way. No, I think you're, you're hundred percent right. All right. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on direct TV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on direct TV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Direct TV has the most MLB games. Visit directtv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Look, I want to get to some little tidbits of news. You know, uh, every time Mitch uh, we does this segment on the show, we kind of go over some some commitments, some flips. We, we do have signing day a week away, so some of these were big developments. I'll start with Colorado. Number one, they had a, a four-star athlete, Aaron Butler, decommit from them. He was, I think, number 106 in the composite. Uh, but they did pick up uh, four-star receiver Draylon Miller, he was number 65 in the composite. He was previously committed to Texas A&M. Uh, some more Colorado-related news. Uh, former quarterback commitment uh, Danny O'Neill, uh, the four-star, uh, selected San Diego State uh, to go, I guess, be with Sean Lewis, uh, who was going to be his coordinator mm-hmm. at Colorado until things happened there. So a little bit of Colorado news for you. Um, Mississippi State picked up a couple big commitments. I don't know if you guys want to weigh in on, on any of these because it's interesting. They have a new coach, obviously, there as well. Uh, Michael Van Buren, former uh, Oregon commit, four-star quarterback from Baltimore St. Francis Academy. Uh, he decided to commit there. They also got a four-star receiver in Mario Craver out of Alabama. So it, it Jeff Levy, right? It seems like he's he's having a little success there early on. 
I like Van Buren. I, I saw him at, um, I've seen him at multiple camps and he was a kid who had a bunch of early SEC offers. Uh, St. Francis, I think kind of went through it this year, uh, yeah, record wise, year. like they had a really rough year, which I think made it kind of tricky to evaluate him and, and just that team. But, um, I think that's a big, a big time pickup for Jeff Levy. Yeah. Um, Ari, Texas A&M has been losing a few players. They lost four-star offensive lineman Cohen Eccles, uh, who was a commitment. They've obviously lost some guys to the transfer portal, big-time guys uh, here in the last uh, couple weeks since the coaching change. Um, any thoughts on what's going on at A&M and sort of the early steps here for Mike Oko? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's a byproduct of what you would expect um, from a new coach whenever somebody comes in and you know, they, they start a, a new program. You, you kind of expect people who aren't part of that vision or um, don't want to be along for that ride to change course, you know, and I look at um, Texas A&M's class right now. And unfortunately for them, they only have four top 100 players in it uh, in the two, four, seven sports rankings. And let me see in the composite, um, you know, I think they've got three. So like, that's a lot different than the class that he last helped sign, which had 20 or had 18 mm-hmm. top 100 players in it. Um, that said, I thought I wrote a story about this two years ago, but it's like when you get hired in December and the early signing period is the 15th, it's like trying to maintain your class and then build a class in 15 days is like the most impossible ask ever. Um, I would absolutely want to see Texas A&M try to retain as much of that young talent that they signed in the 2021 cycle, um, as possible, but also I'm going to give them a year grace period before I really like, you know. Go right. nuts. I'm sure AM fans though are freaking out, right? Like, I mean, they've had all these decommitments and and you know, uh guys just opt getting into the portal. I'm sure I'm sure they're handling it just fine. Um one one big flip uh from last week, uh for somebody that I actually wrote about earlier this year, Alex Golish at South Florida. They were able to flip Jonathan Eccles, the number one uh 180 overall recruit, four star tight end who'd been committed to Tennessee where Golish was at previously. That was sort of a big win for South Florida. I know they had a good year. Uh, went six and six, made a bowl game. Kind of happy for Alex Golish, right? Like this is the first big sort of recruiting victory since he took over the job. All right, um, guys, signing days next week. We had some big topics we wanted to get into. So, um, and, and we also have some transfer portal news to address as well. But uh, I guess big storylines heading into next week. Um, I have a couple that I'll offer up, and then I wanted to ask you guys what you're thinking about in terms of, you know, storylines that you'll be watching aside from Dylan Riola. Uh, for me, DJ Lagway uh, and the University of Florida, you know, after that five and seven season, uh, there's been quite a few Gators commits that are sort of taking visits uh, to other places. Lagway, I think, was uh, at Texas A&M. I think he's going to swing by Houston as well, reportedly. Um, it feels like Florida's class is like on the brink. And when I was at the state championships last week in Tallahassee, I talked to a couple of Gators reporters who were there uh, to talk to LJ McCray, and I think there's just a lot of nervousness in Gainesville. What do you What do you guys think happens here with Florida over the next week? That's uh, just brutal. Uh, that is just brutal if they lose him. Yeah, I mean, this is Black probably man. the end, right, for Napier if, if, if that happens. I mean, I don't know if he's going to get fired right away. Um, right. But that, I mean, like, my whole thing with Florida is if you're not going to be great on the field early on in a coaching tenure, you have to have something to grab onto if you're a fan. And for Florida, that was incredible improvement in the recruiting space. 
So if they're going to lose all these players, including the five-star quarterback that basically was the entire fixture of your future at the 11th hour, um, that's just hard to defend. Like, I don't know, like, what else you can say about that. It's like, it's always going to be, let Napier get his guys, let him get his guys, let him get his guys. It's like, he got his guys, and then they didn't sign. That, like, what do you say to that? Yeah. Xavier feels to me, I think, uh, is, could it potentially flip to Texas? He's the, the number two ranked recruit in their class, 31st overall. Uh, McCray, I think, took a visit to Auburn. Uh, and I know uh, Miles Graham and uh, Darius Hayes have been flirting with other schools and Maris Williams as well. I mean, those are their top six guys, all top 100 recruits. So it could be disastrous for the Gators on game day. I know I've got my eye on that. Grace, um, what are you looking forward to sort of in the next week here? I know Jeremiah Smith is a big storyline as well. Yeah, I think he's still the most interesting storyline in the country just because I don't know about you guys, but I feel like every week – I still have so many questions with no clarity. Like we're getting closer and closer and closer to Sunday day. I'm like, I still have no idea what's going to happen with this kid. Um, and I, I don't, I'm like, Manny, you might know a little more just being in Florida circles, but it seems like at least now you sort of start to hear some rumblings or some leanings. You know, we just talked to Mitch for almost 30 minutes about Riola. Like what is going to happen with Jeremiah Smith? I have no idea. Yeah, I think, you know, Again, being at the state championships in Tallahassee and talking to a bunch of people and, and talking to Jeremiah right after he won a state title, like I think he tried to shoot down the notion that there's any real contenders for Ohio State. He's been committed to them for almost a year now, but it's like everybody else around Jeremiah is like, nope, he could flip to Florida State. Nope, Miami's still in it. Nope, the Gators are still in it. And a lot of people who I spoke to seem to think this is going to be an NIL-based type final decision from him. I've felt strongly all along that if he was going to flip anywhere, it was going to be to Florida State. But I've also heard that Miami and Florida are in a much more desperate position with NIL and to get the number one receiver in the country might go to any extreme to do it. So it's going to be really, really interesting when he finally decides to announce. And I've also heard that there's a chance that he may not announce on the 20th. And I think if he doesn't do that, if he doesn't do it next Wednesday and decides to hold back a day or two, that's probably a really bad sign for the Buckeyes, uh, Ari. And uh, I I saw Brian Hartline. I introduced myself to him, by the way. (laughs) I said, I I work with Ari Wasserman. And uh, and he didn't have any sort of response to that. I don't know if that was on purpose or <laughs> maybe he didn't hear me. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> but he was cool. He probably he was, was just cool. like you're an ass- right, the guy's an He's asshole. So funny. <laughs> no, but he was cool. He was very cool. We, you know, we I sat there talking to him uh, and Jeremiah's dad and his uncle, who were all there. And I just think, like for Ohio State, they've got to be uber nervous over this, right? I mean, I know it's Ohio State; and they always get great players, but it's like. They fought so hard to like get Jeremiah Smith and to get, sort of continue that pipeline out of South Florida and the state of Florida where they always get the best receivers. And I got to imagine this is a, a race they don't want to lose. Yeah, I mean, that's basically been the entire calling card of Ohio State's offense. Right? I mean, they've had great quarterback play, obviously, too, but like they've had insanely good receivers for a long period of time. And um, not only have they been insanely good, they've all been draft picks that have by and large produced in the NFL. And Jeremiah Smith is somebody who I think starts day one there. And I don't really say that very often about players going to Ohio state or even in college in general, but like he is a completed uh, product. Um, And the fact is that nobody has recruited a 
the receiver position better than Brian Hartline or any position for that matter, maybe in the history of modern day recruiting. If you yeah. look at like what he's done and in compare it to other positions, it's like it's staggering, even though the man hates me. So I, I think that uh <laughs> I mean, Ohio State's not gonna maybe made or broken by this because it's a position that they have a wealth of of depth at. Um, but it's just one of those deals of like, you know, you're just coming off of a really unfortunate year and you want to feel good about your class going into it. They have, um, I believe four or five, five-star prospects currently committed. If they could hold on to Jeremiah Smith and get through signing day with, um, the number one overall player in the country committed, uh, I think that would be a pretty huge thing for Ohio state. I mean, they, they have, I'm looking at their class right now, 23 commitments. It's rated number two overall, and they've got five, five stars, um, including a five-star quarterback. And they have two five-star receivers. I guess if you're going to lose one, um, from a position standpoint, you want to lose a receiver. But if there's one you don't want to lose, it's like the most can't miss prospect I've ever seen with my two eyes. Yeah, he's he was pretty amazing uh, in that state championship game. First three passes went to him. And I think the third one that he caught, he took 50 yards to the house and just glided to the end zone. And everybody there is like, yeah, that's that's the number one player in the country. Like, you you know why this dude is a dude, right? Like, it was just so evident. Uh, and he and he and like you said, I think he's an instant impact guy wherever he goes. And I think for a program like Miami, like Mario Cristobal, t- to not get him, I know Mario prides himself on these recruiting classes and the recruiting rankings. Like I know he's going to take it really, really hard if they if they're not able to flip him. I know Florida State uh, feels really good about where they stand. Florida's had him there. I don't know how many times on campus. So like everybody's put in a ton of effort to get him, and it, and it's going to be fascinating to see if he even signs on Wednesday or if we're still talking about him on next week's episode uh, going forward. Um, all right, what else Wait, are you Manny, looking can I ask to? you one more question about that? Mm-hmm. Do you have any sense on like if this is a situation where he's got voices in his ear, but he knows truly what he wants to do? Like you think about the Rashada situation last year and you just felt like everyone felt so bad for him because he had so many voices in his ear and mm-hmm. we were all trying to figure out, okay, what does he actually want? Like, do you think Jeremiah knows what he wants, but is fighting and grappling with what other people want for him from him? Or do yeah. you think he's equally as confused? it's hard to tell grace because it's like when when he, all the reporters were there talking with him after the game and we were all asking recruiting questions and and just sort of you know peppering him with a bunch of them uh it's like he kept sort of saying like you know there's really no contender with ohio state but yet he's visiting florida state right he's th- he's taking his last official visit there uh he's had miami coaches in house he's had florida state coaches in house like he's gone through the whole process so while he keeps selling that story, and I know Ohio State fans keep getting mad, like they were upset when when they read my story. They're like, "Why are you saying that he ha- he doesn't have his mind made up?" Um, I'm like, because he's still going through the process, you know. And it's like, I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I, I got the sense that in his in his head, his head is telling him go to Ohio State. That's where all the best receivers go, right? Yeah. Ari's philosophy. But I also think his heart is telling him, man, I really like going to Florida State. I like coming up to campus here. So, and then there's also the NIL needs, right? Like, I don't know how, how far those stretch, but um, that's, it's, it's going to be a very interesting decision. I hope at one point I can get Jeremiah to sit down and talk about after the fact what Everything. ultimately made the decision because it, he's it's in a, a really tough spot. It's a lot he's, of pressure yeah. to talk to, but I had the same exact experience with as you when I talked to him all the way back in June at the Elite 11. Like the headline, I just pulled up my story as you were talking. Jeremiah Smith insists he's locked in with Ohio State. Colin, do you believe him? <laughs> like yeah. everything he does 
is a reflection that he's not. And everything that he says is a reflection that he is. So I always go by, what are you doing? Not what are you saying? But he always seems to be very steadfastly verbally maintaining his commitment to Ohio state. And you know, that only goes so far when you're visiting and having visitors, um, all the time, especially a week before signing day. This isn't like a June visit for fun. Like this is, we're like a week away from this year. So, um, I certainly think that that is a um, storyline to watch. And, you know, personally speaking, I think wherever he goes, he's going to get drafted in the first round because we're not talking about, I mean, Mitch will tell you that he could go to Kalamazoo state and get drafted in the first (laughs) round. But like, if he goes to Florida state, he'll be fine. If he goes to Florida, he'll be fine. If he goes to Miami, he'll be fine. Um, they've got Wawa down there, so I get it. I get it. Do you think he's waiting to see if DJU goes to Florida State? Did you all see I that? Went, he's what was I doing in? I went to Florida for a work trip like four months ago, or not two months ago. What was it? You were oh, there I with went me to, for uh, Georgia Florida. Yeah, game. yeah, the, the yeah, the Georgia Florida game. I ate <laughs> Where you three, saw Manny? I, I was there for two days, and I had three of my four meals at Wawa there. <laughs> well, that was awesome. It's good stuff. It's good Great stuff. You were telling me to get that Thanksgiving. Uh, sandwich yeah, right yeah it's, it's called the gobbler oh yeah respect. did y'all get it hunt loves it i, you know, I went dude i was telling manny at it was such a terrible backfire for me because we were covering the game at noon and i had my plan we're gonna go to this game it starts at two o'clock uh we're gonna write great stories we're gonna have a good time uh and then on the way home i'm gonna stop off at wawa and i'm gonna get the gobbler and i'm gonna go home and watch the ohio state wisconsin game because that was the night game that day and I went to Wawa and I went to the, you know, the kiosk where you type it in and it wouldn't let me click on it. It wouldn't let me click on it. I was like, I want to order the gob. And I, I raised my voice and said, can somebody get me a gobbler? And they're like, we're sold out. And I was just like. You're probably so I was devastated. Sad. I was planning. I don't really, I'm not one of these people. Cause like, I have no idea what I'm eating for dinner tonight. Like, I don't know if you're one of these people that knows in the morning, like what you're going to have for dinner. Um, but that day I had it all planned out, which is very rare for me. And then I felt it kind of felt like it does if you have leftovers in the fridge and then your kid eats it or you <laughs> know, your wife takes it to work. And it's like you're looking forward all day to those leftovers that are in your fridge. And then you get home and somebody ate it. Like I used to do that to my dad all the time. And I think he was happy I moved out. But um, <laughs> and then I had to get like another sandwich and I actually didn't really like it that much. And then that's how my Florida trip ended. And I just flew home the next morning like in this fog of sadness that is sad <laughs> and it was before thanksgiving too so i hadn't had the thanksgiving taste i was about yet. to say wasn't this like well before thanksgiving yeah Couple yeah weeks, the, but they weeks. bring it out like like three weeks or a month before thanksgiving because they want to get the season right and i get that i respect that um all right any any other storylines for you man you know the, Just- the one thing that you failed to mention um but like lj mccray is enough did you say that he was also flirting yeah, that's another uh, five-star I, player in that, Florida's he? class. Yeah, I, said that. I, I might have missed that. Okay. Yeah, I think those um, their top six guys. I think have all been flirting with other programs. Yes, but my my thing is how is Texas going to finish? Um, and I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm just a biased Longhorn, but like they have <laughs> a very solid class, but they don't have like the elite, elite, elite class that you would anticipate from a team that is in the state of Texas. And I know they have some big-time targets that they're trying to close on. Uh, but right now they have the number 11 class and 20 commitments um, in the 247 rankings. And in the composite, it's 11 as well. Um, but of those uh, 20 commitments, only four are top 100 players. And in the state of Texas in general, 
Um, they haven't really done that great. I believe it's like one or two out of the top 20 players in Texas um, are going to Texas. And that is the top 20 players in Texas are all rated in the top 125 in the composite. So yeah. like Kobe Black's decisions coming up. I just want to see how Texas finishes. And I feel like, you know, with who they are and what they mean in this state, uh, the fact that they compare that together with the, the fact that they're in the playoff, I'm, I'm curious to see if they're going to have a really big finish. That's that's one of the things for me. But uh, certainly quarterback dominoes, what happens with Danny, Daniel Kalen, all those stuff that we mentioned earlier on. Then, of course, whether or not Colorado is going to pull another rabbit out of its hat and do something uh, funny or spectacular on signing day, which seems to be the the case, or if Seton was the whole show, I think is all storylines that I think we should track. Dominic McKinley and Xavier Filsami, uh, Filsami, sorry, the Florida commit. Those are the two guys I think they're trying to flip here that are five stars. So if they get both of those guys and Black, uh, that's going to be that'll bump yeah. them into the top, ten, well into the top ten. Yeah, well into the top ten. I just want to see, um, I just want to see if they can get. I don't care about your ranking. I just want to see how many top 100 players you can manage to get. And three yeah. is not enough for them. Right. That's right. Um, Grace, uh, you mentioned Clemson needing a quarterback. Um, you think DJ Lagway? Yeah, I, I just saw, I think it might, I think it was Rivals reported that uh, Elko uh, and Fritz, I think, were coming through. And then Garrett Riley, um, mm-hmm. which we know Clemson doesn't have a quarterback in this class. Uh, they liked Lagway, um, but they just they just couldn't land a quarterback. I mean, Aaron Nolan went to Ohio State. So all that to say, uh, Clemson's in a much better position on the field than Florida, even though they've been <laughs> struggling compared to their normal standard. Uh, but I just, I don't know. I think that could be something fascinating to watch. It feels like they've got a little bit of momentum with these new staff hires and Garrett Riley sort of getting his system established. Normally we would have trivia to wrap up the show, but I have to be honest, I didn't prepare you the trivia. Sand. Oh my gosh, I should I should have done it this week. I know. I totally blew it. Um, but we do have a transfer portal headline uh to get to that we can briefly discuss here before we wrap up. Just because it's newsy, just because people will be talking about it and, and it's sort of interesting. Um I guess in Ohio, uh battle with the NCAA, and I'm reading Justin uh Justin's tweet here. Uh, who works with us. Um, Judge John Preston Bailey issued a temporary restraining order for the next 14 days that grants immediate eligibility to any college athletes currently seeking it via a multi-transfer waiver. This essentially means for the next 14 days, the NCAA can't require any multi-time transfers to sit out while seeking a waiver for immediate eligibility. The judge will likely decide whether to grant a a preliminary injunction, which would likely extend through the length of a trial on December 27th. Ari, your thoughts, immediate thoughts on uh, the news here with uh, the portal. Can you like explain it to me like I'm five and then I'll give you my thoughts? Because I've been <laughs> trying to understand. It's, it's very dense to me. I yes. asked Catherine Briley, our uh, editor, who's also a lawyer, and yeah. she sent me it. Do you want me to read you what she said? Yeah, just, just that, explain Grace. it to me. Like, like I just, It's hard sometimes. I don't know. The number one thing that I struggle with in my job, and I don't know if this has come up with you guys, but like there are times where you have to read contracts or legal yes. findings and things. And I just like get that like old I'm studying for a test <laughs> headache that I get. Like I'm not smart. Like I need somebody to explain how it's applied and then I'll give you my thoughts. Okay. So Catherine did a really good job breaking it down. She sent me a, a couple paragraphs, but I think the operative sentence is this. Um, this means that all players who have requested a waiver or had a waiver denied them are now eligible to play at least for the next two weeks. So 
forget if you're if nice, I'm right before the playoff. Uh, I guess the bowl uh, games, right? Maybe I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, I think, I it, say, I think okay. the big thing here is that it's not you don't just have to be a graduate, right, in order to have unlimited transfers. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the whole idea of this this transfer thing is like you you can look at it two ways, um, and that to me, like when you could play was what I was confused with. So if that's the case, then let them play in the bowl games. I don't care. That doesn't. If anything, we can have help, but like. The Could they play in the bowl game and then they thing. rule the other way and then <laughs> they go backwards? I mean, I don't know if you would lose your eligibility because you still get to play three games with a red shirt, right? Like, I don't know. Like, these yeah. are like the rules that get kind of they get kind of foggy for me. But like, I just I don't know that I love the notion that a person can transfer without penalty as many times as they want. I think that people should be able to transfer to find like new places. And you know, as you could see, like with the Heisman Trophy winner, he transferred once and. He went to a new situation and won the Heisman. Like I'm, I'm all for that. What I'm not all for is players who play for four different teams during their careers. Um, it's hard enough to feel connected to the teams that you root for when the players constantly change. Um, imagine how hard it would be if a player switched his search situation because he felt like it three or four times. I think there has to be some sort of verbal, I mean, uh, written or verbal commitment that is enforced. Um, once you get to school that makes you, you know, stay if you've already left one place once for more than a year or be penalized for leaving. Um, Cause it's just, it's getting too much to even keep track of. And, you know, I was listening to another podcast and the caller said, the one thing that I, I really miss about college football in the past is that it was the only sport where you could track a kid starting in his junior year in, in high school, watch him make a commitment watch him go to a school and then grow up with that person as a part of the team that you root for and like really know who your players are and, and kind of having a feeling of, um, you know, unity with your team and the players that are on it. And now like that is completely out the window. And I feel bad about that because things change, but at the same time too, I don't think it should just be a free for all either. I think you should be able to transfer one time, no penalty. Um, and then if you want to transfer a second time, then you have to set out a year like you used to have to. That that would be the way I would do it. Can you imagine how crazy it would be if we had to track transfers constantly? I mean, guys could potentially play the first month of the season at one school, right? And transfer to another and finish the season with another. I mean, I guess if that's that's if the rule were written that way. I mean, way. if that happened, it would be that be that would be bonkers. I mean, I think that they should shut the portal during the season. Like right. if if you're able to just like yeah, you're Western Kentucky's like number one receiver through week three, and the next thing you know, you're on LSU Tigers for their conference play. It's like, what are we doing? Like <laughs> that that's like insane. I don't even know how you yeah. can. Then it's like at that point, just pay the players a contract and make them right. sign the contract that signs them to the team because they're no longer amateur athletes in any regard anymore. Right. If you could leave school in the middle of the semester, that like, what are we doing? So, um, I think that it's very messy right now. And the one thing I think that people don't like, um. And maybe I'm speaking for other people here, but you tell me it's not so much that kids can leave or coaches can leave or NILs. It it exists. I think it's the complete and utter chaos of the, of the system that people are, you don't understand um, if everybody's playing by the same rules. Some schools have more money than others. Some schools take more transfers Um, waivers happen and you don't really understand why or, or when they do. Like if there was just a governing body, that illustrated the rules that everybody had to, you know, live within, that would be just a much easier system. But like, it's just so chaotic 
and so unpredictable and nobody really knows what the hell's going on. I think that's what people struggle with the most. That's what the My, NCAA is supposed to be doing. I, I'm, and maybe I should ask Catherine this and maybe I should know the answer to this, but are we talking unlimited or are we talking two times specifically? Is this in this new rule? It's two times. Two time. Okay. Uh, I mean, I feel the same way you do, Ari, but um, I don't I mean, know. I, like, you can I only transfer so many times. It's just like, how many times can a human yeah. being transfer? Five? But how many, what, what's the most we've Who seen would even want to live like that? But we've seen kids transfer more than twice. I mean, yeah, I know JT Daniels is on like his seventh team now. So yeah, I mean, like I, kids I will know. do it. Like DJU is transferring again. It's just like, I don't even know. Like that to me. Like, it's going to work out. I'm sure if he ends up at Louisville or wherever he goes, it'll be fun and we'll watch him next year. But it's like, you don't get to have three full experiences. You know what I mean? As a college player, I think that like you, you should make a decision. And if your first decision is wrong because you're young and you made the wrong thing in high school, you should be able to correct that decision one time without penalty. Um, but after that, like, it's just, you know, what, what are do we you doing? think about like, his coach leaving though. Like, would you have, yeah, no, I mean, I understand that, but it just like, like in your, uh, there's always going to be something in your perfect world. Do we, if a kid wants a second time waiver because of a staff change, do you, if you're Ari Wasserman commissioner of college football, do you give them an exception or do you still make them? I mean, I guess if if their coach leaves, I can understand. Um, but like also too, DJ has been in college for five years now. So it's like, it's not like we're dealing with like a young kid who doesn't, he's, like he, we, he's had his college experience at multiple places. He started two seasons. So it's like, if he was unable to transfer out of Oregon state, like, would it be a disservice the way it would have been with Tez Walker, who actually had a real issue? That's like, fair. it's just, it's, it's a hard, it, the thing that I know is that there's going to be subjectivity and discussion at all times, no matter what you're doing, it's going to be a coach leaving or a mental health issue or, you know, your parents are sick or something like there's always going to be something you have to come up with a rule that you put into the sand and then that's the freaking rule and we'll we abide by it. As long as there's this NIL fairy dust out here and there's no governing of it and players can come and go whenever they want and coaches go and, and like you don't know like by the time you get to Saturdays in the fall you don't even know how we got there. And I think that sucks. All right guys, uh quick update for our listeners. We will be back with a new episode of Stars Matter next week. Mitch Light will be back with us. We'll also have some special guests. I think Ari Jed Fish, right? We're gonna have yep. him on the yeah, show. Yeah, Jed Fish is coming on the show. Um Rhett Lashley too, I think, is coming on the show. That's correct. We'll have some coaches on to talk about signing day. And then uh, that'll be we'll Wednesday ha- stream. Yeah, that'll be on Wednesday stream, which will be live, right? I mean, uh during during signing day. So we'll have uh plenty of news and thoughts on that day for sure. Yep. Yeah. It's going to be a big day. I, I've already uh, told my wife I'm not picking up or dropping off and or doing bath time that day. Um, she, as a result, <laughs> gets to go to a hotel on Friday night for a girl's night and a spa day. So we're all there you go. You she trade. gets to have fun. I, yeah. Yeah. She's <laughs> I do a lot of bartering in my life. Do you guys with your significant others? Like, do you find oh, yeah. yourself like trading? Like, yeah, I wanted yeah, to go watch like, okay. the game at my boy's house. Uh, the Monday night football game that the Dolphins uh, killed me. Uh, late in the game, losing that with three minutes to go. Um, and I had to pick up $40 for Olivia so she could take it to school and buy a bunch of like holiday gifts. Yeah, so she like, says, just swing by the bank and pick up cash. So I had to do that. That was the trade. Pick up cash. Oh, that's a pretty good trade. Yeah. but Mine's like, if I get to sleep in today, will you then like you get to go to the spa for seven hours? Like, I don't know. <laughs> but it's not, always like, yeah. what do you know? We, we do. We do trades. <laughs> 
I want to know what you're going to be like at seven in the morning next week, Ari. Like, do you just pop out and you're like ready to rumble? I, like, I don't think we've ever seen Ari in the mornings. Have we, Manny? No. Well, before I got married, I used to stay up till two or three every night and sleep in till 10 or 11. Like, because my, I do really good work at midnight when Twitter and is quiet and everyone's sleeping and no one's texting me. I'm very like, maybe I'm ADD in that. Um, and then now ever since I've had a kid, like I wake up at six every day and I've never been a morning person. So like I, my okay. child wakes up at seven o'clock on the dot every day, no matter what, like her body is trained. She goes to bed at seven and she wakes up at seven. I have to set my alarm for six 30. I put her bottle in the bottle warmer and then I just lay there with my eyes open. It takes me 30 minutes of a thawing out period. That's what my dad used to say. I don't know if anybody else does that. Um, and then once seven comes, I'm like ready to ride. And like my wife does gets annoyed because I'm always so happy and excited in the morning once I'm up and she needs like a cup of coffee and to be left alone for a little bit. So we've had some morning fights where like her eyes wake up and it's just me standing over like ready to mess with her, you know? And oh just my gosh. <laughs> Like she'll wake up her eyes and be like, hey, pretty. And she's just like, (laughs) just waking up. (laughs) I will tell you, my girls were the same way when they were young. And now, like, because of school and they're so used to getting up early that if if we let them sleep, they will sleep till one o'clock in the afternoon. Like, they seriously, like, that's great. They will. will, Yeah, it's awesome. Like, (laughs) my wife's like, do not make a noise. Like, just let them sleep. We want to have silence, you know? So, yeah, my only personal alone time, because my wife goes to bed before me is like between 8 and 11 p.m. That's the only time I have for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's usually my Or my wife and I have alone together. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. You want to do your thing? Thank you for <laughs> listening to Stars Matter. We will catch you guys next week. Signing day. Big weekend. Seriously. Big week. A lot of stuff happening. Quarterbacks flipping. It's the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.